Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. This is this uh, message, it's not a preach, this message is uh, headed The Two Kingdoms. Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, which is going to be a wonderful place for all of us, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, no more death, and no more Satan. And if you look at Revelation 21 and 20, you'll find those things out. Between the first and second comings of Christ, the coming of God's kingdom is the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus went away, but he left us that wonderful Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit has got so many other names. And he means so much and to all of us, I'm sure, who are in the kingdom. A few weeks ago, Josh spoke about the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. And when that happened at Pentecost, all were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible tells us. All were filled. Not some were filled. All were filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of them uh, spoke in tongues. And tongues of fire actually appeared on people. Josh also talked about tarrying. And that's a one, that was a wonderful word, I thought, Josh. And you could say linger or wait for, but tarry is a wonderful word. And it's, it means we walk in the Spirit, but we're supposed to keep in step with the Spirit. We don't go ahead of the Spirit because that would be stupidity. We wait until we get that prompting from the Holy Spirit before we take the first step. And when Josh um, spoke those words, he, it reminded me of 1 Kings 19, where, if you recall, Elijah was told to go out on the mountain and the Lord put an earthquake, he put fire, he put wind in that situation. But the Holy Spirit wasn't in all of those powerful things. It was in the still, small voice of the Lord that came after all those. So we don't run ahead of the Holy Spirit, we tarry for the Holy Spirit. The purpose of bringing in the kingdom is to defeat the works of darkness here on earth and to usher in the kingdom of light. Satan's desire is to destroy us, to kill us, but God's desire is to heal and restore. And when God's kingdom comes, we often see healing and also deliverance. But for now, this is just a foretaste of what is yet to come. We have this sort of already and not yet tension in the New Testament, which teaches us that until Jesus returns, we shall have problems with disease, decay, and also death. We pray for God's will to be done on earth, as in heaven, but we recognise this will not be fully realised until Jesus returns. 
And if we could uh, have that first slide, I'm going to read this out. It's, um, it's something that Professor T.W. Manson, he was based at Oxford University in England. This is something that he said, and I'll read it out. It should be on the, on the screen there. The essential thing for understanding both the ministry of Jesus and the theology of Paul is the doctrine of the two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. All the evils under which men suffer and all the evils which they commit may be regarded as the manifestation in history of the power of the evil kingdom. All men's hopes for the future, the future of the world or the individual are bound up with the triumph of the kingdom of God over the kingdom of Satan. That when it comes is the coming of the kingdom of God in power. And although I'm not going to put this one up on the, um, on the screen, I'll read this out. We'll just leave that there for a couple of minutes. But this one is by a Roman Catholic scholar named Raymond Brown. And he wrote this. Let us begin with the synoptic gospels where the miracles are primarily acts of power accompanying the breaking of the reign of God into time. The miracles worked by Jesus are not simply proofs of his claims, but more fundamentally are acts by which he establishes God's reign and defeats the reign of Satan. Many of the miracles attack Satan directly by driving out demons. Many more heal sickness, which is associated with sin and evil. The raising of men to life is an assault on death, which is Satan's peculiar realm. Even the nature miracles, like the calming of the storm, are an, at are an attack on the disorders introduced into nature by Satan. Matthew tells us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And John 3, I'll read out John 3 and John 3, 5. I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And in John 3, 5, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. In Matthew 3, 2, I'm going to John the Baptist now, preaching in the desert of Judea said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. In Mark 1.15, Jesus began his ministry by saying, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. So in both cases, the kingdom is near. In Matthew 10, Jesus sent out the 12 with the following instructions. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of God, heaven is near. And in Luke 10, when Jesus sent out the 72, he said, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. The result and Jesus' response were revealing they came back and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So we have John the Baptist, Jesus, the 12 apostles, and the 72. They began by saying the kingdom of God was near. But then in, if we go to Matthew 12, 25 to 28, Jesus said this when he was replying to the Pharisees. 
every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. That's the time when he said, the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God comes when the Holy Spirit comes. And that drives out the kingdom of darkness and it brings also in the kingdom of light. I'll just give a few quotes that people said about Satan. Matthew 12, 26, Jesus referred to Satan's kingdom. He actually called it a kingdom and gave Jesus the title Prince of this World three times. Paul called him the God of this age in 2 Corinthians, the ruler of the kingdom of the air in Ephesians 2, 2, and he referred to his area of control as the dominion of darkness. That was in Colossians 1.13. Perhaps you can put up that uh, next, next slide, Ephesians 6, 11 to 18. I'm going to read this, but the words I read might be slightly different from what uh, you get on the screen, but uh, I think we probably all know this passage quite well. This, this is all about the armour. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. This is the sword of the spirit. This, this is a weapon. This is a fantastic weapon against what's happening in the, in the uh, evil realms. And if we, if we just look at that, it talks about rulers, it talks about authorities, it talks about powers and spiritual forces of evil, which to my mind signifies quite a kingdom. And then John said, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's in 1 John. John also wrote, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Jesus has won the war or has won the battle. Satan was defeated. He came down like lightning from heaven. And Jesus also defeated him at the cross. But the war still goes on. In Revelation 
we read this about Satan. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. That's in Revelation 12. So in the end, Satan does gather the nations of the world to wage against God's people. But in Revelation 20, the devil was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. So the really good news is that he's going to lose the war, but he's still battling away. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. I don't like calling it the kingdom of Satan for some reason, but nevertheless, it's called the kingdom of Satan. They're both a reality. They're not equal and never will be. And the kingdom of God is everlasting. Satan is just the created being. And when God says enough is enough, enough usually is enough. But until then, God chooses to work through us, all us here. It's amazing, isn't it, <laughs> that he does that to overcome the evil the serpent commits. I'll just talk a little bit about demons. We can call them evil spirits, but uh, I'm calling them demons at the moment. Are an army. You, you will recall probably in Mark 5 when Jesus was dealing with a demon-possessed man, he asked the demon its name and the demon replied, Legion, for we are many. Going on from that, you'll remember that the demons went into a herd of about 2,000 pigs, which were then drowned. Demons are real and they can be of many, many types and our pastor in England, he's now deceased, but he was a wonderful guy. And one of his, um, I won't call it a ministry, one of the things he, he used to get involved with was the deliverance of demons. And he, he often called, when we were talking to him, he called it the Rolls Royce of Christian ministry. And it's got many benefits. First of all, to the person who's got the demon residing inside them, it brings freedom and release. It can be released from physical, emotional or spiritual problems. Often, he used to go and pray for people and deliver demons. And they weren't in the kingdom. They were non-Christians. But just as a result of that, they came into the kingdom of God. And all the glory went to the Lord. I heard of another case in England by a very, very famous preacher. Uh, he had a ministry of deliverance for about 30 to 40 years, and that was his main concentration. And I, re I can recall, I've listened to a few of his uh, podcasts over the years, but on one occasion, he delivered over a period of five hours 72 demons from a woman. 
and somebody was there keeping a tally. That's, that's how he knew how many there were because he had a counter alongside him keeping a tally. I personally have seen a demon manifest at a church service. I've also seen a demon delivered at the end of a church service. And I'll tell you, sometimes it's not a pretty sight. The demon, he does not want to come out. He's fighting all the way because once he takes up residence, he doesn't want to come out. But when he does come out, there is this tremendous release. I mean, in 1 Corinthians 12, we have the list of spiritual gifts. And one of those is either discerning spirits or distinguishing between spirits. That is a very powerful gift uh, to discern if somebody has a demon or indeed to discern if somebody has a good spirit. I discerned a spirit of praise here this morning. That is a spirit, a spirit of praise. That to me is a wonderful spirit. But there are also other spirits. If you want that gift, by the way, all you've got to do is ask God. I mean, it says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. To me, that is a fantastic spiritual gift to discern spirits in people. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful gift. The two kingdoms are diametrically opposed. They're like that and they're like that. And as Christians, we can't have a foot in both camps. We can't, I would use the word straddle. We can't straddle both camps. If we're in one camp, we've got to be completely in that one camp. Peter had the keys to the kingdom of God and, it's, and it, it was said at the time against which hell could not prevail. But he certainly thought the devil was still a force to be reckoned with because he's, he said your, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And in Luke 17, this is Jesus' words, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. This means that those who receive the Spirit when he comes enter the kingdom of God. We move from darkness into light. We pass from death to life. There is life in the kingdom of God. We go from under the control of Satan to under the control of God. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And that power is supernatural. We are asked, if we've got that supernatural power within us, that is the power of the Holy Spirit, but we need that constant refilling or infilling of the power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we are just empty vessels. Unless we have that, con we leak. If we're doing God's word and we're full up to here with the Holy Spirit, we need, we need to be filled. We need the springs of living water constantly coming into our lives to enable us to, you know, be effective in the kingdom.
one sort of cautionary note I'm, I'm going to going to make here is that we've we've all got this we've all got the spirit in us, but we've also got self in here, our old self, and our old self is often characterised by possessiveness. Um, do I favour God? Do I favour my money? Do I favour God or do I listen to what man is saying to me? Do I put God ab above my own personal ambitions? There is this constant sort of battle going on within us because we're all human. Do I love myself more than I love God? When, I, when we were praising this morning, I could feel God's love. It was tangible. And he was saying to me, God, I he said, I love every person in this place. I love them with that amazing love. On Vision Sunday, Josh talked about um, membership, discipleship, and eldership, I think. Galatians also talks about sonship. Galatians 3.26 reads, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. That means that we're all related in this, uh, in this house of God this morning. You're related to the person next to you. This is spiritually. You're related to the person behind you. You're related to the person in front of you. I don't know how you feel about that, being related to everyone else in this place, but uh, that is a fact of life. I'll just read this little quote from A.W. Tozer. He said, I want to live so fully in the spirit that all my thoughts may be as sweet incense ascending to thee and every act of my life may be an act of worship. I think that's, that's quite a challenging uh, comment by him. I mean, we serve the Lord God Almighty. The Lord came into this earth as the light of the world. He was the original light. In Matthew 5.14, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. That's me and you. We are the light of the world. And he also talked about salt and light. He expects us to be salt and light wherever we go. And I think it's a good reminder. But again, we can't do it without the presence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. 
when we come into the kingdom, we have the fruits. They, they sort of gradually come. They build up gradually, I've found, that uh, when we come into the kingdom. We don't just come into the kingdom and suddenly all the fruits descend on us and we've got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We don't, it doesn't happen like that. It happens over a period. And they are sort of denoted by the uh, presence what I would call the presence of the Spirit. The spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, to me, they denote the activity of the Holy Spirit, the power that's going on. And as I said earlier, if you want any one of those gifts, you only have to ask God. Just while I've been speaking, the Lord has put a word on my heart and uh, I've got to give it out. Um, he's given me the word unforgiveness and I think what he's saying to me uh, as a result of that is that there could be a number of people in, present here this morning who are harbouring unforgiveness in their hearts and I would say, I would say to, to them this morning um, that will be an impediment to your effectiveness in the kingdom of God. If you are harbouring unforgiveness here this morning, I would recommend that you come down for prayer at the end of the service because that will not, uh, that will not be a good thing. And if it continues in your life, I do not think that God will use you effectively in his kingdom. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.